and welcome to the Geek Interview Podcast. I'm Jeremy Pappas, alongside, as always, the man charged with releashing the Kraken, Mr. Russell Jones. Russell. Don't tell Matthew Rossi. He loves that Kraken like nobody's business. Unleash the Kraken. Unleash the Kraken. Unleash the Kraken. I don't know why I've heard that more often the last week. It's been forever since Clash of the Titans came out. But I've heard four or five people give me the a, a little Unleash the Kraken. I don't know if in memes it has, it's like cyclical, it's come back. But pretty much all this week, for some reason, it's been Big Bird and Unleash the Kraken. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm, I'm just sort of all over the place. But. Both of those are worth hanging on to and keeping around. <laughs> um, we are a little bit late. Uh, this is our weekend podcast being done on a Monday because Russell, oddly enough, was in Arkansas and we hung out on Friday, which means he was too close for us to podcast. So we had to wait for him to get back to Loserana and uh, and do the podcast. Which yeah, apparently there has to be a full state's distance in between <laughs> for the reception to accurately pick up and and for this to you know translocate itself onto iTunes. Yeah, he was uh, he was I, I I don't want to speak for you, but I, you were just busy. Um, and because you, you don't come into Arkansas very often, and the family's still here, and yada yada yada. Yeah, family getting tires put on the L, on my Honda Element, you know, doing various things and sundry stuff. Uh, I was really excited to come into Fort Smith because you had been telling me all about this game store that had opened up near our favorite barbecue place, and I and I was really excited to go there, maybe check out and get some WoW cards. And we get there, and it's closed. closed. Not just closed. Bar. Not just closed, emptied with a, you know, renter sign on the yeah. front of it. And we'll just kind of stood there like Ron Swanson in front of his favorite steakhouse in uh, Indianapolis from that episode in Parks and Rec. Where he's just sitting there going, no, no, they boarded her up with the steak still inside. <laughs> Do you think they got eaten? <laughs> yeah, it's here's okay it was it was here's here's our problem in arkansas at least in my little little corner of arkansas um there's just no there's just no shop and we've talked about this before there's just no shop to go and to do things and this one shop opened and it actually had stuff that you could buy i i have uh i think every nerd sort of has their own munchkin game that they buy i don't think you're really truly in the club unless you have your own munchkin game your own version and flavor of munchkin right mine is mine is munchkin cthulhu and i've actually bought the third expansion for munchkin cthulhu there and i was like hell yes i'm gonna come back in like a week or so and get the fourth one because i they didn't have the fourth one when i was there um we were literally just there two or three weeks ago so i surmise that whoever opened the thing didn't have the money to keep, never had the money to keep it open. And we're hoping, I guess, to have a massive run on, on, uh, on D and D books and Iron Man shirts. And when that massive run didn't happen, they ended up just shutting their doors down, which is, which is a real shame. Cause I, as we've said multiple times before, it's, this is a good market for a shop. It just, there just isn't one. So if it's run correctly and if it's run, and the thing is that, like I've said before, it all depends on whether you're a gaming person trying mm -hmm. to run a shop or if you're an actual business person trying to run a gaming shop. And you can be both. You can be a gamer with a business oriented mindset and model who is opening a shop to run it and make a profit and make it sustainable. And I would argue, I would argue that that is the preferable combination of things you would want you you want to obviously be really close to your subject matter and know what it is especially considering like most shops you're probably going to be working there a lot yep. so 
you're going to want to, uh, I, I think you want to have both, but unfortunately we apparently just haven't found anybody that has sort of that combination of both. So I oh, well, I guess we'll, I guess I'll continue to have no shop and buy things from the internets and weep into my Captain America post toasties. Speaking of the Avengers, while Russell was down here, see that smooth transition I just did. Um, smooth. Smooth. It goes down smooth. While Russell was up here, we uh, we did what we usually do, which is drink copious amounts of whiskey and cheat on our respective significant others. I'm kidding. We're <laughs> nerds. We had barbecue and watched the Avengers with uh, with the uh, the uh, director commentary on. Um, and yeah, it was it was you know I am see I can watch a commentary. I don't know where people fall on the commentary thing but i can watch a commentary because essentially to if you've never watched a commentary before and I, I i feel that there are many that have not you are essentially watching the movie and using the movie for a frame of reference for what the guy that's talking about is talking about and this one was with joss whedon who is funny and is entertaining just to listen to and extremely self-deprecating that's yeah if you listen to Joss Whedon talking about Joss Whedon, you're like, well, that's Joss Whedon. Really sounds like a total asshole and can't do anything right. Um, but he can obviously do many things right. Case in point, the Avengers. So it's if you have if you it's it's kind of hard to get into just as comment commentaries in general are kind of hard to get into. Uh, this one was good. I think it was worth the it was worth the listen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were times when a couple scenes popped up and I thought, oh, I, I kind of want to just rewatch this scene. And I'm sure there may be some way to turn the commentary off and then pop it back on and kind of go back to where you were without too much hassle. But we just watched it straight through. But there were but there were times when I was just, just a couple of scenes. I just really wanted to watch this scene because it's such a good, good movie. Yeah, and you have you've you've seen is, it, what, twice? Yeah, I, I've only seen it uh, a couple times. A couple times in the um, but we plan on buying it. It may actually be the movie that convinces us to buy a Blu-ray. So, because watching on your Blu-ray was nice. Yeah, and it... I like having a Blu-ray player, but I've literally used it three times. So, three times in the three years you've had it. It's pretty much once a year. <laughs> I watched... I got a Blu-ray with it when I got it, and I'll, I'll talk about... I'll mention that Blu-ray again later, because that would be too, too good a transition to throw in right now. Mm-hmm. I watched that Blu-ray... I got a Blu-ray, I think, for my birthday, and I watched that Blu-ray, and then I I bought this, primarily because of the extras, and I got, I watched that Blu-ray too, obviously, but I just get so many things from, you know, the internet and streaming, and I have a digital media player that I play a lot of digital media on, and I just... I would say, hey, this is great. You should totally get a Blu-ray player, but I almost want to tell you, no, don't get a Blu-ray player, because mm-hmm. um, I'm not, I'm not watching, uh, I'm not watching, I'm not buying Blu-rays like I did DVDs. I'm, the, I, I have as many people do. I have massive, massive stacks of DVDs. I'm not doing that with Blu-rays. I'm just not doing it. I will own the Blu-rays that I want to own, but no more. The ones that I'm going to wear out at, you know, get-togethers and gatherings, and I just kind of want to watch this movie real quick and throw it in there and to get the special, you know, the extras and the special yada yadas. But as far as building the Blu-ray collection, not not happening. Now, at the same time, I do know someone who is very much a, a you know, 
a movie buff. They're someone that I would actually consider a movie buff. They have done research. They have a vast collection. And so for them, owning a Blu-ray of a certain thing, there are specific reasons why they own it. And, you know, it's a quality thing. It's a collection thing. But but they're an actual serious collector. Yeah, I just collect them all digitally. Right. I don't collect them to have them sit on a shelf and... Because I know, I mean, I looked at, this is the reason I didn't decide to buy, to buy Blu-rays, is I sat there and I looked at my DVD shelf and I looked at all the DVDs that I bought and watched one time. And I'm sitting here going, these DVDs are all brand new because I bought them and watched them one time. They're great movies, but mm-hmm. there are just a few movies that I will watch over and over and over again. And there are a few movies that are just great movies, but I'm not going to watch over and over again. You know, I'm not going to watch dogma over and over and over again i'm just not i've seen it many times but i'm it's not the kind of movie i'm just gonna pop in and go hey i'm gonna watch dogma but i will i like i watch Patton once a year so Patton would be one that i that i would have which makes me seem really not fit for this podcast now that i, think <laughs> I probably should have mentioned a different movie um clerks i would watch but dogma not necessarily chasing amy not necessarily so you know it's i, I kind of have to be choosy but the avengers i had to buy so. yeah and you know for us it would be getting the avengers on blu-ray getting the lord of the rings the extended stuff on yeah. blu-ray i would probably wind up buying the star wars trilogy the original trilogy on blu-ray even though i know that it's not the original theatrical version mm-hmm. and just bite that bullet yeah but um getting back to Avengers, one of the extras that they had on there were the deleted scenes that I was actually really interested in. I mean, it's worth going back and getting it for that reason just to see this was going to be a very different tone movie uh, based on how they had planned to start it. Mm-hmm. There is... Well, more frame it than start it. Yeah. There was a completely different beginning to the movie, and interestingly enough... I've when I watched the Avengers the first time, I kind of wondered why Kobe Smulders was in the movie, and, and I mean I didn't wonder why she was in the movie, but I wondered why they got a name. I mean I realize she's not you know Gwyneth she's not Gwyneth Paltrow, but she's a name. Why they got her to play Maria Hill? Although although Joss Whedon does recommend that you have a Gwyneth in your movie. That's true. That's it from adds, the commentary. It adds Gwynethosity to it. It does. Um, I will say if if, if Joss Whedon, because okay, I'm gonna put all my cards on the table. I do not like Gwyneth Paltrow. I do not like Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> do not like Gwyneth Paltrow. If Joss, if you doubt the if you doubt the magic that is Joss Whedon, the fact that I loved Gwyneth Paltrow in this movie is fucking incredible. Because I hate Gwyneth Paltrow. Anyway, I kind of always wondered why Kobe Smulders was in them, why she was in that role but didn't necessarily have a huge role to play. It kind of seemed like she was a little wasted on that one role. Well, there's a reason for that. The reason for that was when this was all on the draw, when this was all all on the drawing board, she was originally going to frame the movie. Literally the whole movie was going, she would, she could be arguably the most important person in the movie. Because she's Maria Hill. She's, you know, she becomes later the director for S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Um, What the deleted scenes show was that they had a beginning that starts with her kind of bloody and banged up um, being debriefed by – I can't remember the name of the overall group who was watching, like the directorate or the directors or something like that. I've just – You know, the shadowy figures that are in the thing that that they're always berating. 
Yeah, there you go, the council. So they're debriefing her, and she obviously is very much opposed to uh, what Nick Fury has been doing. And she's describing the whole thing as a disaster, as horrible mistakes. You know, it sets the movie up as this was absolutely the wrong call. These were the wrong people. It was the wrong time. You know, it, kind of the same way that you heard in some of the marketing leading up to it. But it really was supposed to frame that beginning. And then there's another bit at the end that kind of, you know, brings the whole thing full circle. They wound up cutting them, obviously. It made her character more of a... You know, more of an antagonistic figure to Fury because she's this second in command subordinate who is, you know, rankling under his command. And um, and you can tell she kind of doesn't want to be. She kind of yeah. wants to wear the daddy pants and be the director. And you can you can tell that a lot more when you watch the deleted scenes. Um, you can you can. And I, I like that chemistry, but I understand why they cut it out, because it would have been it would, I think, have been wasted. And also, I mean, there's just way too many other things going on with the movie. You got to get in, you got to set it, and you got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would have been another storyline, and that could have potentially either over. It could have been potentially the straw that broke the camel's back. Even though I I love Colby Smulders in that role, I think it would have been really, really, really good to have that. And you can once you see those deleted scenes, watching the rest of the movie, it puts some of her actions and reactions and lines more in context. And you're like, oh, oh, that's why. Oh, that's interesting. And she did all her own stunts, too, apparently. Or I think she did a good of her own stunts. Of yeah, a lot of her own stunts. And watching some of them, you go, ooh. Joss Whedon is very, very appreciative of her, you know, the athleticism to be able to do that. And I agree. It's a, uh, I mean, it's. It's the deleted scenes and the commentary together are are really, I think, definitely worth a watch. Probably not worth repeated watching. Uh, now, if you're a if you really if you like the making of movies, it's worth repeated watching. The one deleted scene, and we're not gonna go, we're not gonna list the deleted scenes off because that's dumb. Just buy the DVD and watch it. Um, one of the deleted scenes that I found really interesting that they included in there that you don't see very often was an extended fight. With uh, it was during the the battle in um, in the city when the aliens were coming through and all that stuff, and it was Hawkeye and Black Widow and they were fighting, but it wasn't it was it was cut early enough that it wasn't finished. Little they didn't pieces. do any of the VFX or the CG for it, right? So you saw the literal like the shot the shooting, the shot for shot that they were doing. Yeah, the guys are in mocap suits. They're being flipped and thrown around. Right, and you see, you see uh, Scarlett Johansson like blocking the uh, the strikes from and what will what would have been an alien with a weapon, but there's no weapon there. Right. So she's reacting to nothing and holding up like like a what I, think, I can't remember. What acting. She, had, like a, she was acting, and yeah, it's, right. it's 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 really interesting to watch and to see how that sort of because you got a couple of snippets that were finished. But most of it was with the actors and the the mocap guys, which was I thought really cool. They don't usually include that stuff in the uh, deleted scenes. You see, I, I think as dumb as it sounds, they kind of usually want more polished deleted scenes. Yeah. Um. But it was I think really worth uh, worth a watch to see that sort of whole fight. I mean, the fight scene was unremarkable. I can see why they cut it. it I mean, it was it was 
It was kind of long. It was, yeah. A, it, well, yeah, it was a little long. And B, it was, I mean, it was unremarkable. There was a lot of other fighting going on. Uh, so it would, I would say it was probably the, the span that was near the bottom of the, the stack. That being said, it was, it was well done and it was kind of interesting. But it was neat to see how they actually filmed it and what was actual set and what was green screen. And it was, it was just really cool. I cannot, I can't promote the, the, uh, the extra commentary enough. And there are three versions of the DVD slash Blu-ray that you can buy. You can buy either the DVD, you can buy the DVD Blu-ray combo pack. Or there's a third version that has 3D and digital download and a couple of other things that you can buy. That's like the gold Super Omega Collector's Edition. But it's, I think it's really just for 3D TV folks. So, And there's also a short on there as well. Uh, they did yes. a couple of other shorts in previous ones. Uh, the, the really nice um, a Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Thor's Hammer, um, which was, I think, on Thor Blu-ray. Then they had um, The Consultant which was on the Captain America Blu-ray. And then this one is called Item 47, which is about one of the relics of the battle, kind of post-Avengers. So it's a nice it's a nice little postscript to see that after you've watched the movie in the theaters, I wouldn't recommend watching it if you hadn't seen Avengers at all. If you're just going out and buying up, buying up the Blu-ray because you hadn't seen it yet at all and you're trying to yeah, get caught on here. definitely watch one, Avengers first. If that's the case, you're probably not the, listening to this podcast. That's but true. definitely watch Item 47 after you have seen the Avengers at least once. I was as, as far as the shorts go, it was interesting. I didn't like it as much as I liked the funny thing happened on the way to Thor's Hammer. And I haven't seen The Consultant. But it was... It was good. It was funny. It was nice. I, I liked it. It. I, this is what it really got me sort of thinking about was the upcoming Shield TV show. Yes. It really. Like, I, it would not surprise me to see those same characters in the Shield TV show. Would not surprise me in the least because that was sort of the way it was set up. It was very Shieldy. You see who takes over for um, Coulson. Yeah. Clark Gregg. You see who takes over for him. And it was, it really, I felt like I, I kept feeling like I, it was going to cut to commercial and I was going to see something about McDonald's. Like it was just, it was there. Yeah. And if they, now obviously they're, they're not going to be able to do the shield TV series as well as they did this short. I would, I would argue probably not, but that being said, it was a cool precursor to it. And I, I don't think they would be disturbed if they, if they had those characters in the uh, the Shield TV series, because they they worked well and they would provide a good a good focal point for the TV series, being sort of these new agents that don't really know what's going on and blah 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 blah. So and the and the guy who was kind of stepping in for Coulson uh, has been used in he was he was in the consultant he mm -hmm. was the bald guy with glasses mm -hmm. and he's been used in some of the other supplementary things that Marvel has put out like their you know shield second screen experience the shield initiative downloadable thing for iPads and iPhones mm -hmm. you know, he's the guy who's in that so it's entirely possible that he might wind up uh, being a bit of a bridge between the two which, like I said, I think would not be a bad idea on the part of the people who are making the show. So, there's that. Uh, a more, uh, after Russell left, well, I think Russell was probably still in town doing family stuff, but I did go see Taken 2 this weekend. Which Taken was 2 Electric Boogaloo? Taken 2 Electric Boogaloo. 
um, before that was the first DVD that was bought, the, the first Blu-ray that was bought for me when I when I got the uh, Blu-ray player was was taken. Dang, Actually, yeah. I, I bought that myself, but it was with a gift card, so it was technically bought for me. Um, did you did you immediately take out the line and replace it with one that said Liam Neeson kills everyone? <laughs> no, but I'm going to do that once we're finished with the podcast. Um, I full disclosure, I love Taken. It's one of my favorite movies of the past probably five ten years. Uh, I, as far as action movies go, I don't think you get much better than the original Taken. Uh, very, very good to a point where I actually have a Taken poster in my office. So there's there's that. So I'm kind of fanboy-esque as far as Taken is concerned. So how was the, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing about Taken 2, and I don't want to get really deeply, deeply, deeply into this, but here's the thing about Taken 2. You rarely see... People who make movies, especially sequels, really get the difficult things right and screw up the small things. Here's the difficult thing with making Taken 2 that I think we are. It's the elephant in the room whenever anyone talks about Taken 2. That elephant in the room is Taken 2, really? Was it Taken again? Who are they going to take? Are they going to take her again? Shouldn't she learn not to be taken? Um, That's the elephant in the room. Everyone goes, oh, okay, this is... Um, Home Alone 2. It's it's what I call Home Alone 2 syndrome, where you have to realistically set the movie up, or it's going to wreck the whole movie. Everyone's going to be going, ah, uh, really? We have to sit through this bullshit again? Why can't Liam Neeson just kill everybody? But they did that really well. Like we talked about when we saw the trailer, they set it up really believably. I, not for one minute... Did I think, oh, this was set up just for for there to be a sequel to this movie? Not for one second did I did I feel that way. Not not once did I think that this the overall general story itself was put on. It seemed perfectly logical that this could happen again. I there was no Home Alone two uh, syndrome at all. You're not sitting there going, Jesus, come on, really again. This makes no... You're just doing this so you can make another movie. They they handled that beautifully, perfectly, masterfully did they handle that. The second thing they handled really well is obviously this movie is going to have a lot more of the daughter and the ex-wife. In the first Taken, the reason that the first Taken is great is because when the daughter gets kidnapped, you don't hear from her again, ever. She's gone. Mm-hmm. She gets taken and you don't hear from her again because the worst thing in these sort of kidnap revengey type movies is the call that you get and she's crying or they cut back to her and she's wailing and oh my dad's gonna blah 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 and yada 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 you don't get any of that she's just gone which a in the first taken was good because you really think that she's gone it doesn't remind you that it's a movie you're you don't constantly have a window into her world Mm -hmm. and two you don't have to listen to her bellyache the entire time yes it sucks what you're going through blah 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 blah. i don't want to hear you complain i want to watch your dad kill everybody in getting to you and then i want him to get to you and you're gonna go daddy i'm so glad you're here and then it's great they even limited the the ex-wife she wasn't in the movie very much, which was great because you don't. When you're watching an action movie, you don't want people that are sitting there going, "Oh my god, this is so great! This is so crazy! I don't think this is good! Oh, we're we're screwed!" You want that one moment of emotion, and then you want Liam Neeson to take over and drive the bus to kill everybody. Lane, so <laughs> this is everybody on the bus. It's the murder bus. It was great. Now, in the second movie, they handled that really well. There was a lot more of the daughter. 
there was a lot more of, there actually wasn't a lot more of the ex-wife. Actually, you get about as much of the ex-wife in this movie as you do the other one. So they did that well. And the daughter wasn't that bad. Like, I didn't want to kill the daughter. She was not a super ninja, which I was glad for. I didn't want her to come out being a super ninja because that would be extremely unbelievable. Uh, she did, but she wasn't a complete idiot either. Which is exactly what you want. She was a very believable character. When her dad, there's, there's, I'm not going to spoil this movie for anybody because it is a good movie. I think you should go see it. Um, if you're sitting there thinking maybe I'll wait until it comes out in the cheap theaters, you can wait until it comes out in the cheap theaters. <laughs> um, there's a moment where her dad is talking to her on the phone, and her dad has been has been taken. And he's still able to talk to her on the phone. Yeah, that actually worked out really well the way they did that. He has a little phone that's actually just a little square, uh, which I thought was great. It's just like a little plastic square, and then he pushes the button, and it's a phone. Um, it worked pretty well. It was cool. And so he calls her, and he's talking to her, and there's this great scene where he uses her to figure out where he is. And you, you can watch the movie and see how they do it, and it's really, it's really cool, I think, the way they do it. But he tells her... Uh, you know, go do this, be casual, go here, go do this thing, but be casual, you know, don't be, be casual. So she's like, oh, okay. And she hangs up the phone. She immediately runs out of the hotel room. She was at a pool ahead of time. And while this was both for the male portion of the audience, it worked being believable. Her shirt is open. So she's a random white girl in Turkey running around with her, with her, like it was essentially her bra. God, she's running. She's being very not. She's being very conspicuous. She runs downstairs. She steals clothes that look like men's clothes. So now she's running around in men's clothing. She gets. She's caught stealing. So there's a maid chasing her out, going thief, thief, thief. She gets in a taxi cab. She jumps out of the taxi cab in the middle of rush hour traffic. The taxi driver is chasing her, going, "You have to pay. You have to pay." So. She's not being very <laughs> conspicuous. Wow. But you would do that if you're a teenage girl and you're not necessarily, and you're kind of freaked out because she sees all this going on and she just narrowly avoided being taken herself and blah, 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 blah. All that's great. That works really well. The characters are fine. No problems there. Here's the problem. They screwed up the small things. They screwed up the small things that you don't screw up in a movie like this. Small thing number one, you either have two, you have two types of bad guys you can have in a good, successful action movie. You can have the really cunning, smart bad guys that do things like keep people alive when they know they're better to them alive than dead. Or you have stupid, brutal bad guys who do stupid things, but they're super brutal. And you're, you're going through, you're going through movies in your mind now of, of those two types of bad guys. Those are the only two you can have. In this movie, we have stupid yet contemplative bad guys. We have bad guys who do stupid things, but they're they they're they're not brutal. They needed to be brutal, but they're not brutal. They're thinking and going, oh, well, we need to do this and this and this. I'm like, no, you're an idiot. You're supposed to kill everybody. You're supposed to be brutal. They didn't do that. So you essentially just have stupid bad guys that are setting everything up for the good guy. Secondly, ineffective. Very yeah. ineffective. Secondly, the phone call that we saw in the trailer that we were like, oh, don't do the phone call again. They don't, they did the phone call and it sucks. It completely, it was not a good idea. You don't do the phone call again. The phone call became a thing. Okay, move on. Don't do the phone call again. It really stuck out like a sore thumb. There's literally a guy pointing a gun at him and he pulls out his phone and he calls his daughter. Like literally there's a guy with a gun who's allowing him to pull out his phone and call his daughter. It makes no fucking sense. 
Nope. Made me want to hurt, made me want to hurt people, myself included. And they really, they would build up to good moments and then completely let you just, just flatten you. The writing was not as good as it was in Taken. You don't have a, I have a certain, uh, I have a certain set of skills that make me a nightmare for people. Like you have none of that. And there were, there were instances and I'm not going to give this away, but when you go and see the movie, they're in a car and there, you'll see the moment where there's this great setup for a badass line. And he says something really super lame and you're like, oh, damn it. So... I would give it a maybe a C plus, a B minus, somewhere around in there. Um, worth seeing if you're a Taken fan. Worth seeing. You won't like it nearly as much as you did Taken. Um, but it was. I'd, I'd say it's worth seeing, despite it had its moments. It did have moments that were good. Um, but it had moments that I really, that was just like, eh, they don't develop the bad guys enough. So there's a moment where there's this guy and he's kind of a pudgy Middle Eastern looking guy and they're supposed to like go fisticuffs. And I'm like, why are you fisticuffs with a pudgy Middle Eastern guy? Like they didn't make him out to be this bad guy that Liam Neeson shouldn't just shoot who should have to go fisticuffs with. But besides all that, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was very suspenseful. There were moments when you're like, oh, crap, that was really suspenseful. Uh, so go and see it if you're interested in it. If you're not and you're thinking, eh, I can wait until DVD, you could wait until DVD, at, l- at least the cheap theaters. It is a good movie. And if you like car chases, you would like this movie. I'm not, I don't really care for car chases, which is maybe why I didn't like it as much as I probably should have. I just don't, car chases do nothing for me. It's just like, meh, get to something that I can see and relate to. Um, but there are a couple car chases in the movie that that were shot really well. It's shot beautifully. It's it's very well done, cinema cinematically speaking. So that's my rambling review on Taken Two. Well, you've convinced me that there are moments in Taken Two that are worth watching. It's just personally, I don't know if the moments are worth me going out and buying a movie ticket. Probably not. Wait for the cheap theaters. Yeah, for it to come out on uh, on DVD, but it is worth seeing. It is a yeah. movie. The the problem is the cheap theaters in my area are also the theaters you get shot at. Oh yeah, well wait for the uh, wait for the Blu-ray to come. And not by Liam Neeson. No, unfortunately not by. <laughs> so uh, our our aim was to make this a slightly shorter podcast because we are recording it at, at about eight o'clock at night. But there's one thing we absolutely have to get to, which is what we promised last podcast which is our official Russell makes some sort of trumpety noises here <laughs> vice presidential drinking game the geek and review official vice presidential <laughs> oh you didn't want jazz trumpet no <laughs> okay calm, sorry uh, calm down miles we don't need all that much trumpet uh Biden I would appreciate it <laughs> I am going a birth of the cool. I am going to uh, post this on the podcast page in its own special little box. So uh, you can take it and you can share it with all your friends. It is, uh, if I do say so myself, quite a good vice presidential debate drinking game. You will, it's, it's got, it's got a flavor to it that you will enjoy. And uh, if you're like me, you'll, uh, you'll dig it. So we're, I would like to go through the steps of the vice presidential debate drinking game, uh, that we've put out here just to kind of give you a little bit more of a primer and then we'll close this thing off. Okay. Okay. We're going to, we, we can go back and forth doing yeah. this. The official geek and review vice presidential debate green drinking game. This game is for multiple players. If either candidate says welfare, drink from someone else's glass or bottle. See, see what I did there with the. 
if any candidate says Obamacare or Romney Care, take two drinks and then call me in the morning. That was that was a healthcare joke. If, in, <laughs> if either candidate, I, I promise I will not explain all of these. If yeah. either candidate says Libya or Libyan, be the first to say, "Holy shit!" Anyone who doesn't immediately respond with, "I'll draw their fire," must. <laughs> which I could not resist. This, okay, this is I'm I'm a big you know I'm a big politics guy. We talked about this last time. I'm annoyingly into politics, but I will admit since all this stuff has gone, terrible things have happened with Libya, and then all the stuff with Gaddafi and everything. Ever since all this Libya stuff has been going, ever since Libya has been in the national news, I constantly make Back to the Future Libyan terrorist jokes because they're always funny. So that's. <laughs> That's that's it. So it gets the Zemeckis seal of approval. <laughs> um, next one, Bin Laden. Anyone when they say Bin Laden, anyone that doesn't scream, boom, headshot, must drink. See that you have to do. If Except either can, if either candidate says you have my word, respond immediately with and my and my axe or drink. <laughs> if they say kill Medicare. Drink, then pour some out for your homie Medicare. They done did it to Medicare. I was originally... Now that's if they say, kill Medicare. That means if, you know, Ryan says, I want to kill Medicare, Biden says, it's a bad idea to kill Medicare. Or the, the moderator asks, do either of you gentlemen want to kill Medicare? My thought was the the... There's a certain language to politics and... One side of the debate tends to call Paul Ryan's budget plan the Paul Ryan kill Medicare budget plan. So that will probably come up. If Paul Ryan uses the vice president's first name, which is Joe, the youngest person in the room must drink, as well as anyone who doesn't immediately turn to them and say, Joey, have you ever been in a Turkish prison? <laughs> you can also, of course, you can substitute that with any of the other lines from Airplane, such as, Joey, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Uh, <laughs> or Joey, would you like to go to the gymnasium? Uh, any of those lines from airplanes will from airplane will suffice. <clears throat> you finish up Paul Ryan. I'm going to do Joe Biden. Okay. If Paul, if Paul Ryan says government jobs, anyone who doesn't say we must protect our phone and baloney jobs, gentlemen, must drink. Um, <laughs> if Paul Ryan removes his shirt, turn off the debate. Drink <laughs> the I was hoping you would put that in there. Paul Ryan is the P90X guy. I actually, okay. I don't care. Uh, all cards on the table again. I don't care for Paul Ryan all that much. I used to call him the senator from the great state of P90X. <laughs> all right. If Joe Biden repeats the same phrase more than once, if he repeats the same phrase more than once. He has a tendency to do. Last person to stand up and say, I'm Spartacus, drinks. If he mentions Sesame Street, if Joe Biden mentions Sesame Street, fire Big Bird in your best Donald Trump voice and drink to celebrate. Hey, Bird, you fired. Mm. And then drink. That's how you yep. do it. And then you can flip your hair like Conan O'Brien if you can do that. <laughs> you fired, Bird. Yeah. Now, if Joe Biden starts talking about his Trans Am, turn off the debate, turn on some White Snake, and drink until you pass out. That's what Uncle Joe would do. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your official Geek and Review Vice Presidential Debate Drinking Game for multiple players. Tell your friends.
drink responsibly. <laughs> and probably, especially with the welfare thing, we would highly recommend that everyone is drinking alcohol that will not, you know, force the owner of the, of the establishment right. that you're drinking in to clean up later. Right. Do this at home and drink beer or wine. Stay away from, just stay away from clear uh, liquors and entirely. Stay away from clear liquors entirely. With that, however, we are out of time. Share the vice presidential debate drinking game with your friends it is the best vice presidential d debate drinking game you will hear about in a podcast for geeks all day um uh you can also share us we have a twitter which is where i will go to promote this here podcast we are at gir podcast you can also shoot us an email that's gir podcast at gmail.com also we are on itunes despite what i might say occasionally about the great apple company you can subscribe 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 on itunes for Russell Jones, this is Jeremy Pappas. Also, I almost forgot to mention that our music is Opprop featuring Essid. Check them out on uhort.no. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. I'm Spartacus. Drink! Drink!